Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Catch new episodes of The O Show for free, available on all audio platforms, including Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. For full video versions of the podcast, head on over to YouTube and StarWorldWideNetworks.com. The O Show is presented by Mayweather Boxing and Fitness. Mayweather Boxing and Fitness is an inclusive, high-intensity fitness experience developed by the champ Floyd Money Mayweather himself. The best group boxing workout in the market, Mayweather Boxing and Fitness. Oh, Jack. Jack O'Hara. Boy, you asked me some interesting questions, my man. It's a great question, Jack. Jack, hey, it's Josh Radder. Hey there, Jack O'Hara. It's Johnny Damon. Jack, you had questions for me. Jack O'Hara? Absolutely. This message is for Jack O'Hara. Jack, how are you? Hey, Jack. Jack, hey, what's going on, man? How you doing? What's going on, Jack? Uh, listen, man, you know, you, you, you asked me a couple questions. Broadcasting around the world, you're listening to The O Show. In the show and uh, doing your thing, I mean, you've got some pretty big name guests. I've seen your your stuff, so congratulations on your success. Jack O'Hara. Much nicer guy than Conan O'Brien, with much better interviewing skills. Don't forget to share this episode on your social media. Now, let's get to it. I'm so boned. I forgot to get my girl tickets for the show tomorrow, and now it's sold out. It's her freaking birthday. Oh, dude. She's probably gonna break up with you. She's definitely gonna break up with me. Should've used tick pick. Wait, what'd you say? Tick pick. Look. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? There are no hidden fees. What'd you guys think I said? Oh, tick pick. I thought you said tick pick. No hidden fees. Download today. Good, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the O Show podcast, episode 388. We are presented by Mayweather Boxing and Fitness in Scottsdale, Arizona. Mayweather Boxing and Fitness is an inclusive, high-intensity fitness experience developed by the champ Floyd Money Mayweather himself. Head on down to Mayweather Boxing and Fitness in Scottsdale, opening up soon, just a few weeks away from opening up here in the heart of Scottsdale, Arizona. Again, this is episode 388 of the podcast. Natalie Aldport, thanks for joining the program. Yeah, thanks for having me. You got again. We were talking a little bit before we went on the air about a lot of things that you got going on. Multiple different brands. You're the host of the All In podcast. Obviously, an athlete in your own right. A lot of training regimens. A lot of things you got on your plate. So, what what continues to I guess right off the bat drive you to do all of these things? You know, going from just being an athlete to discovering that you could do multiple things and create multiple different brands. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is just trying to wake up every day and, you know, live life to the most. So there's tons of things I want to do. Some things I've realized I've got a taste for and realize, like, these are things I want to do maybe in my 40s or my 50s. But there's things that I want to do now. There's things I want to take advantage of. Um, Things like I'm really enjoying creating content just, you know, for TikTok. And that's a a new platform that obviously there's a lot to take advantage of right now as it's new. Um, So trying to do as much as that as I can. The Olympics are around. So I'm trying to film like different day of trainings, like different Olympic sports. Um, Just waking up in the moment and trying to to do all those things while also having a consistent training routine, growing my business, um, keeping a little bit of a schedule that way. 
still having sanity at the same time, having a balance, (laughs) even though I don't think there is such a thing as balance. But again, like with all those different things, you got to be able to keep your keep with your schedule and at the same time, take care of yourself. Because like it's one thing to take care of yourself physically. Like if you have a workout and you have an off day, like you got to recover both physically and mentally in order to recover efficiently, I feel like. That's exactly it. For me, it's like taking care of those end notes or the footnotes of the day. So like a morning routine, making sure I, first thing I do when I wake up is walk my dog and seems simple, but like I listen to some neuroscience podcasts and there's actually a big reasoning why going for a walk or a run or something first thing in the morning can um, decrease your stress. It's just having that light exposure, um, getting moving, moving forward. So that's a big part of my day is rain or shine, trying to do that. And then, you know, meditating. Um, I get some time with my boyfriend before he heads to work and after. Um, And then when the day frees up while he's at work, that's when it's like, okay, what do I want to do today? What am I filming? Filming something? What is my training like? I'm trying to manage that craziness. But then when he comes home, it's like, okay, dinner, relax, chill. So uh, making sure those mornings and and evenings kind of prioritize my mental health keeps me sane throughout the day when I'm go, go, go between projects. Are you constantly figuring out new ways to do that and like self-meditate in a way like you were saying? Because again, like starting out, you're going to have experiences that are going to help mold those certain things that you do in order to calm yourself down. Are you constantly learning, learning new ways, reading certain books, connecting with different people and kind of gaining from their experiences? Well, 100%. I think, you know, as, as much information I consume with podcasts that I listen to or, um, TV shows or books that I read, it's always like revamping and learning something new. I think that's really important that my routine is always changing. When I I actually just first moved to this house in January and I was able to do kind of a whole routine overload because of the big move. Um, The environment was different. I was able to do different things. And at that time with winter and spending a little bit less time outside, I would meditate like super long in the mornings. And so I started learning a new type of meditation and focusing on that for a couple of months. But then as you know, the light comes up a little bit earlier in the day and waking up at different times, things get a little bit busier. I've been able to like modify my meditation and combine things. Like this morning, actually, my boyfriend walked down and I was doing uh, some breathing exercises with like a resistance breather. But I found that just doing those breathing exercises, one, it was helping my respiratory system for my training, but it was also like meditation time. So I put on like meditation music. And so I was able to combine and kind of multitask where, whereas I had more time in the winter, you know, my routine was a little bit different, but it still included those staples. What are you specifically training for right now? Yeah, so I, I can be in the sport of CrossFit. It's been two years since I've done a competition due to the fact, uh, one, I hurt my shoulder in 2019, and then, of course, the pandemic happened. Yeah. Um, the competitions have started to resume, but unfortunately, my shoulder was misdiagnosed, and so I just figured out I have a tear. Um, so figuring out how to deal with that. So basically everything I'm doing is like a single arm, but I'm just trying to stay fit and stay ready for when competitions uh, come back for me, when I can get the shoulder recovered, whether I need surgery or not, I'm still not sure. Um, so just keeping fit, keeping ready, as well as like most of the content that I put out is kind of based around my movement practice, my my fitness, my training. Um, so it's kind of dual purpose because I usually am filming whatever I'm doing throughout the day. Yeah, you kind of have to be careful right now, but at the same time, continue to inspire others by creating the content that you're putting out in order to push them, right? Yeah, like even, for example, like some people put on uh, TikTok uh, some like 
you know, motivational videos and it's like a background of them. The way I kind of like see the world is through sport. And then the sport that I do now is really the sport of fitness. So um, most of the content that I put out there, whether it's motivational or talking about mental health or something, the clips are still like me training and going through sports or that journey because most of my content is athlete centric. So um, yeah, so it's a big part of what I do. It's almost still my job to, to train in a sense. So when did the aspect of, again, promoting mental health kind of come into play for you when it comes to everything that you're doing? Because obviously life comes with its successes and failures. And with the amount of training that you do, I feel like it's morally high intensity stuff that you have to do. And then on the other end, when you're recovering, you have to you know, take a break, again, physically and mentally. So when did those two kind of come hand in hand and why is it inspiring for you to get that message across? Yeah, so the reason that I actually left the sport of snowboarding, I was part of the national team program for four years, um, was mostly due to mental health. I mean, I had some concussions, I'd broken my ribs, I did a ton of physical injuries, but a lot of it was that last season, I fell kind of into a depression. I didn't want to be there, I was questioning the sport, um, and so I basically... Uh, after not miss, uh, missing out on the 2014 Olympics in 2015, I, I just kind of gave up on my dream of, of the 2018 Olympics by stepping away from the sport um, to deal with my mental health. And I thought that would improve my mental health, but it actually only worsened because of the identity crisis of being so attached to being an athlete, being a national team uh, snowboarder, um, everything that goes with it, having my whole identity around the goal of making it to the Olympics. Um, and so I really had to work on dealing with that. It was a really dark point in my life. It was a really tough, you know, six months and, um, it's a continuous process. I was ended up being diagnosed with depression and anxiety and going to therapy and doing everything I could to work on that. At the time, I didn't speak out about it as much because it was just such a hard thing that I was dealing with in the moment. Um, but now that, uh, I've kind of come to a place of healing, obviously it's a continuous process, but I'm in a, in a good spot now. I realize how important it would have been for me at that time to see, another athlete talk about it. Mm -hmm. um, I recently was talking to uh, a Team Canada skateboard athlete and she said that she was she saw one of my videos on, on TikTok and um, she was thinking about like maybe quitting. And then she saw that video about my experience and with snowboarding and realized, wait a second, this could be mental health that I'm going through. And that kind of changed um, her trajectory. And so hearing that, I was like, wow, I must be on the right track with sharing these things. I think it's an important message to share. Um, I think also I'm very uh, like open and vulnerable and uh, on my platform and mental health is a big part of my life. And so it only makes sense to kind of share that point and hopefully spark the conversation a little bit further with other athletes, but everyone in general. Yeah, I mean, it's gotta be tough, you know, training and working towards one big goal your entire life and then god has something else planned right and then you kind of have to adapt like life is about adaptation and you've obviously you know grown your network throughout your time as an athlete and all the experiences you had there and at the same time using their voices in a sense to create a stronger message is there any specific messages that you've gotten in interviews that you've done whether it be on your podcast or other channels that kind of inspired you and kind of, again, opened up your mind in another way that you weren't exactly thinking before when you started this? Yeah, I mean, as I start opening up about some of the things I've gone through, I know I also share my platform about my experience as a female athlete and a woman in sport and those kind of things. It's just hearing the other people who've gone through it and their versions of what they've been through, um, as well as connecting on panels, on speaking events with other athletes um, from all over the world who've been through the same thing. Like on my podcast, there's no ex-pro athlete, no matter what level of sport they, they were in, whether they were making millions in the NFL, whatever it was, that didn't go 
through some identity crisis, mental health issue when they stepped away from their sport. So that was a really eye-opening to me that I was definitely not alone in that. I know at a time I felt like, oh, like I spent, you know, only four years part of this. My whole life obviously was dedicated to it, but let me just get over it. People have to give up their sport all the time. College athletes, when they're finished their their sport, uh, have to leave it. But then as yeah. I started digging in, I started learning more about it and learning even just more about the chemical side of things, right? Like, for example, I was so used to an adrenaline rush every day, sending myself over these jumps, um, conquering fear, all these things. And so when that ends, like your body doesn't know what to do. It wants to seek homeostasis. And for me, homeostasis was adrenaline sports. Um, and so learning about all those different things has only helped me kind of amplify uh, what I, the message I want to put out, realize how important it is, um, and just make sure that it's, it's on the right track with the right you know, science and, and knowledge of what can actually help and why some of these things happen. So what inspired you at a young age, like as a kid, to pursue, you know, wanting to be in the Olympics? Like what kind of uh, really clicked for you early on? Yeah, I mean, I don't know because my memory doesn't go back that far. But my parents said at three years old, I told them I wanted to be part of the Olympics. And I think it was the Atlanta Games were on. And I was biking on my tricycle circles around the living room. <laughs> and like there's still we still have that couch. I think my parents brought it to the cottage and um, it has like a nick on one of the corners. And that's because on my tricycle, I was cutting the corner to go faster yeah. and faster lap times around the house. So that was before I even had like one sport, right? Like I was three, I've tried maybe a few sports at three years old playing with my, with my parents and all that kind of stuff. But, um, I just watched the Olympics and said, that's what I want to do. And, um, from then on, I really just was my whole life kind of revolved around sport. I think my dad being pretty athletic, um, and I was being a firstborn child, him having played like football and hockey and all that kind of things. Uh, he put me into it. He was always challenging my balance, doing little drills. And I think you notice that with kids like early on, right? Like some kids gravitate towards books. Some kids gravitate towards um, putting puzzles together, towards Lego, whatever it was. Me, it was like activity. And I was like hyperactive, so hyperactive. Um, so my parents put me into sports early on. So how long or I guess difficult would you say it was training early on? Because like when you discover that you want to do a certain thing, you got to get into a certain level of shape. You got to sculpt your body in the way that you kind of want it to. Like how early, like in the early stages of that, how difficult was it finding like the right, uh, you know, team, I guess, to say like, this is what you got to do. Here's A and this is how you're going to get to B. Yeah, well, I always joke because at 17, when I got selected for the junior national team, all of a sudden I had never had a snowboard coach, never had a strength and conditioning coach. I'd done like off, mm -hmm. uh, I used to play hockey, so like off ice conditioning um, in the summer. My dad like made me like a track around the cottage property to run and do push ups and sit ups and things like that. Um, and I was always athletic, but I hadn't done a lot of that training work. So we hired this strength and conditioning coach who worked for the local university. And I always joke that like, if she could see me now, it would be so funny because back then I was 17, I was joking around with her. Um, you know, I did all the exercises I was committed, but at the same time, like I wasn't paying full attention. Like I, yeah. if, if I wouldn't remember the program, uh, I would, I wouldn't even pay attention. I would just do whatever she said. Right. Um, rather than now I 
like I'm very well versed in training. Obviously, like my sport of CrossFit is a sport of training. Yeah. Um, I've done so much research and gotten certifications in training nutrition, just not to actually coach it, but just to be knowledgeable in my own sense. So I always think it'd be so funny if she could see me now. Maybe maybe we're connected still in in some way, um, because I'm a totally different athlete from those early days to where I've progressed, at least in the gym now. I mean, how different is the CrossFit training? Because I feel like CrossFit's its own entity. Yeah, it's very different. I mean, I was doing a lot of general strength and conditioning training, so that that does help because I was, you know, learning how to back squat, how to do pull-ups, um, getting some fitness in biking, doing a lot of sprinting and uh, plyometrics, obviously, for snowboarding. CrossFit doesn't have that much rotation. Um, snowboarding obviously has a lot of rotation, yeah. so that's one thing that I don't do as much of. Um, but I actually, like, I started CrossFit when I was in kind of my last year snowboarding. So there was a year I kind of did a crossover of training, but definitely I had built all the strength. Like when I came into CrossFit, my strength numbers were really high. So that allowed me to like, okay, now I just need to work on these new gymnastics movements, the Olympic uh, lifts, um, as well as like the conditioning standpoint. That's that's definitely my my weak part, my, my power, my strength. Those things are my strengths when it comes to CrossFit. And then it's like the long endurance because even snowboarding, you are going all day but it's like sprint recover in a sense because you do like a 45 second run and then you're sitting on a chairlift. Um, so uh, definitely like I got the anaerobic part and the lactic acid and can handle all that kind of stuff in my legs, but it's always still working on those, those long endurance things. Cause I'm, I'm not a runner. Uh, I don't have like a long endurance background. Yeah. Were your programs designed specifically for snowboarding growing up or did you have like a specific I don't know, like look or endurance level that you specifically wanted that you told your team about, or was it again, more along the lines, like, this is what you want to do. This is the exact workout program and diet that you're going to have to do in order to accomplish these things. Yeah. So with the, the strength and conditioning coach that we hired, she actually worked for the university hockey team. Um, and so, yeah, she made me a snowboard specific program. Not that she was a snowboarder, but just being a strength and conditioning specialist, she kind of knew the movements that go in and like which which muscles need to be worked and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I did that for, for a couple of years. Uh, she ended up moving um, and then I spent a ton more time on the road. So that's when I became really well versed in training. I had an injury. Um, and so during that time, I kind of studied everything I could about training and got my certification and stuff so I could figure it out. And so I started working off the base of what she gave me and like modifying it to as like as I was progressing. Um, and then I started like caring a little bit more about like my lift numbers and things like that. Um, I started going into the CrossFit gym, but not yet doing CrossFit, um, just to learn the Olympic lifts because I realized like hip power is very important and I never was taught like how to power clean or snatch mm -hmm. or things like that. I found that really beneficial for my snowboarding. Um, and so then the, the last year of snowboarding, like I said, I got into CrossFit and it's kind of funny cause we went through like six strength and conditioning coaches that year with the national snowboard team. And it felt like every time I went to the uh, national training center, we had a new coach, but they always, uh, they didn't really like CrossFit because back then you mean like people, everyone hated it. It was yeah. like a big thing. Now it's kind of more accepted, um, as things have progressed and we've seen that actually the injury rates are much less than even like running, for example, and it's its own sport in its own right. But yeah, at that time they weren't really into it, but the, the, the team was just doing spinning after riding. Like they weren't 
in action sports, it's not that cool to train um, and spend a lot of time in the gym, but I really liked it. So I was already doing like so much more than whatever the strength and conditioning coaches were doing. So they let me just program myself and um, do my own CrossFit training because they saw that I was doing a lot of stuff for injury prevention, a lot of strength stuff, and then some CrossFit stuff on the side. Um, but it was already going to be like more than whatever the prescription of gym training they were going to give the other athletes. Yeah. I mean, like you got to take care of your own body in the way you see fit at the same time, everybody's bodies are different. Like what works for you isn't necessarily going to work for somebody else, especially when it comes to CrossFit. Cause like how many different, you know, programs are there obviously like if you wanted to bulk or if you just wanted to cut down weight, like there, there's certain things for everybody. Like what, what, what was it specifically for you that you want to do accomplish in that regard? Yeah. So like pretty early on in CrossFit, actually, uh, I got like a CrossFit coach. Um, that was like, right. Basically immediately when they stopped snowboarding and, um, some people have like individual coaches and you see definitely the top competitors all do. There's mm -hmm. like a few different top kind of programs. Um, but for me, because I came from an individual sport and I was so used to having like individualized team around me, I thought it was really important to get an individual coach to, yeah. to cater to me. But if you just go to the gym, pretty much everyone's on the same program. Um, but then some people will do extra work that they might care about. So maybe if someone wants to get stronger, maybe they'll stick after, you know, the class and do some extra squats or whatever, or do a strength program alongside their CrossFit program. Some people who care more about endurance, they'll do the opposite. So they'll add like a more cycling and more, uh, maybe some, a lot of like slow sled pulls or a lot of running or whatever, in addition to their CrossFit program. But for me, it was like, I want to compete. So tons of skill work on the gymnastic pieces, um, endurance work, because that's my weakness. Um, basically, yeah, like focusing on the weaknesses that I had and really yeah. trying to work on those. Um, and so for me, yeah, not, not as much strength because personally, like my, I could go without squatting for six months and come back in PR the next day. Like my body is very strength power based. Uh, so for me, it's just always like endurance is what's going to take the longest and working on those skills. So that's what I try to work the most on. And what's the diet like? I'm sure it changes all the time, but like what you're specifically training for now, like what's the, the calorie intake, what's the exact diet in order to achieve your goals? Yeah. So actually right now I'm not tracking super closely, especially with my injury. I'm just trying to make sure I'm eating enough. Um, but I, when I did get injured two years ago, I kind of took it almost like a good time to take a mental break mm -hmm. because even through snowboarding and then into CrossFit, basically since I was 17, I've been like tracking every single thing that I ate. And that can take like a lot of mental stress, especially just like being so anxious about it and, you know, freaking out if you're off. And so I had to go through a whole learning journey of, of that. Cause there was times where, you know, I'd freak out, Oh my God, I ate too much of this and this. Um, and then I started working, uh, the, the last coach that I work with on my nutrition is a coach that coaches most of the CrossFit games athletes and their nutrition. And he really taught me a lot because I was very much under eating at the start. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think at the start I was eating kind of like a traditional, fitness person and it was like well in crossfit you need to stay lean so not eating like super much but then i was starting to get sick and not recovering and i couldn't figure out what was happening so then i upped until i was eating probably like three thousand or so calories a day there was a time when i was up to like almost 500 grams of carbs a day i would literally eat like six bagels a day which made me really happy because uh we have like an amazing bagel shop near us um so i would just grab a ton of those and live off those uh, and then, yeah, so then when I kind of injured myself, I was like, hey, I need a little bit of break of just tracking all the time. 
Um, so I took a nice break, uh, tried to like just intuitively eat, especially over that many years. Like I can pretty much eyeball my foods and be like, okay, that's enough protein. That's like as much carbs as yeah. I should need. Oh, I trained a little bit more endurance today. So let me like get some carbs while I'm doing on the bike or different things like that. Um, but definitely as I ramp back up, like once my shoulders healed and everything, I will start to, to track those things more because it does make a, a big difference, especially when your training volume is increasing. But also I'm trying to, you know, kind of, I, I have treats every so often for sure, but trying to eat kind of anti-inflammatory in a, for most, like 80% of my meals because of my shoulder. I just know like if I want to speed up my healing and I really care about that, then making sure I'm eating in a way that supports that. Oh yeah, 100%. I mean, what was the most grueling um, diet and training regimen that you had to go through? Was it back in the day when you were trying for the Olympics or is it something more recent? Because again, like if you're not eating a lot, like sometimes... That could bother if you if you're on a specific program, but at the same time, eating a ton of food like three thousand plus calories a day sucks sometimes, especially when you're starting out. Oh yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, it was hard to adjust with those changes for sure. Um, so I would say that was like pretty difficult in the in the beginning stages of making sure I ate enough, especially like how busy my day would get. Some days I would be like, oh my god, I forgot to eat this meal when I was supposed to. So all of a sudden it's nighttime and I'm trying to like get so much food in. Yeah. It was ridiculous. So that was hard, especially like eating that much rice and stuff. It's pretty difficult. Same with like competition days. It's so hard to stomach food in between workouts because your nervous system is just like not in a digestive restful mm -hmm. state. Um, but I would say like when I was snowboarding again, like I took nutrition and, and, and gym training very seriously, but it's not taken that seriously in action sports It's starting to get there. So really there wasn't any strict protocol for anyone on the team. So people really just kind of did what they want. Um, but it was kind of in that transition period when I started CrossFit that some of the CrossFit coaches around me were like, oh, you need to eat strict paleo or you need to follow this zone diet. And those diets didn't work for me. I lost a ton of weight, got super lean, but it wasn't conducive to my energy levels um, and trying to be a, a competitive athlete in the sport. And so that was the hardest point was like trying to you know, introduce all these carbs and being surrounded by people who were kind of in the mindset that like carbs aren't good. And they would always, yeah. you know, it's funny because most people are the opposite. They'll like poke jokes because you're not eating carbs, but I'd be eating so many carbs that they'd be like, this is bad for you, blah, blah, blah. But obviously I started working with like a PhD sport nutritionist and um, he, he knew a lot more, uh, more than they did. And, um, and they, they kind of came around to it, but again, like there's no one nutrition program that works for everyone, right? Like some people can be, I have friends who are going to CrossFit games and their whole team is vegan. And like that wouldn't necessarily work for me, but it works amazing for them. They're going to CrossFit yep. games just on vegetables. So, um, yeah, everyone is totally different. you got to find what works for you. And when you're in those stages where you're not necessarily finding what works for you and kind of trying to do something that's not working, that's always like really tough. Yeah, I mean, I know in my regard, like if I wanted to bulk up and put on 20 pounds of muscle, like you're eating every 90 minutes, you know, like that starting out, that sucks. Like that is a lot of work to do, especially if you have a full time job or you have other responsibilities, you know, like home life, you know, like you got a boyfriend that you got to you gotta pay attention to every once in a while, you know, like there's other things going on in your life. And it's kind of hard to think like, OK, it's eight o'clock and I've eaten 1500 calories. I got to eat another 2000 calories here in the next hour. Like it, it, it's tough. And was it more difficult for you back then as opposed to now, now that you know what you're doing? Cause now you've had the experiences of like, okay, this didn't work. Now I got to try something else and you have a good team around you that helps you out. 
I would say like this past year on it, it's been a little bit more difficult in a sense because I'm not tracking. And sometimes I'm like, should I start tracking again? And then I'm like, well, mm-hmm. I'm still injured and just balancing work and different things. So I think it's like a big stressor to add, like, you know, it probably takes half an hour of your day just to track things and enter things. Um, but back then I was so into that tracking that it was like mindless. It was like normal. Um, so I would say there was a point where it was a little bit easier. Definitely. Like when I was single and lived alone, I had like a meal prep service that Mm -hmm. would deliver like all my lunches for the week. Um, so that was super convenient. Uh, now it's like a little bit more hectic now, especially, you know, my boyfriend likes to eat different food than me, for example, or he, uh, I, I joke, I was like, you got me eating like a college kid. And I never like had the college experience because I was, I was snowboarding, um, and did all my school online. And so I'm like, why, like, are we having this like hamburger helper? I've never heard of this in my life. And this, I never had like ramen or anything because I've always just kind of been eating well. Um, and so sometimes that, that is difficult because he'll just add like cookies and chips on the grocery list and then I yep. won't buy it and then he's like what happened I was like well uh just don't want them like always uh, always around um yep. so yeah just like when you merge households with someone who had different foods in their household is always interesting yeah, it seemed like you were very privileged when it came to nutrition growing up yeah well <laughs> like I mean I to, to be fair when I was a kid like I lived off sugars and carbs yeah. and I probably drank like a billion pop drinks a, a day yep. um especially being just at my cottage all summer uh we ate craft dinner like on the every night just to like run out to get to hockey practice because both my brother and I played hockey so my parents were just like get home from work throw something in and and go yeah but my mom like always she just always made like like chicken rice vegetables like it was just a staple meal so versus some people that's like okay that's like a super healthy meal that was just a pretty like staple normal meal and um then we have like this other like my mom's venezuelan so there's like a staple uh venezuelan food that she would make pretty often so yeah i i guess i was pretty lucky to have like one of my parents at least usually making something like relatively healthy and homemade um, versus you go to my boyfriend's house and his, they, they eat well too, but it's just like the pantry is full of so many snacks. I'm like, there's so many cookies in here and yep. they're always being restocked. I'm like, my house wasn't like that. My parents would be like, Hey, once a week you get your cookie or something. <laughs> so I feel like you're disciplined enough to where you wouldn't eat it at all. Like you wouldn't even have, like, obviously growing up, you said like everything in the book when it came to cookies and soda and all that stuff. But now like you're completely like cold Turkey won't touch that stuff. No, I still will. Like, I mean, I even, I got like a whole box of freezies and after a tough workout, I'll like crush back freezies. (laughs) But to be fair, like you just need the sugar, like when you've done some of that stuff. Um, So I'm a little bit more lenient. Like, again, I've been through the process where I was super strict and then I was like, I need all the carbs I can get. So I'm going to get it from different sources. If I'm going to drink a Gatorade while I'm training, there's nothing different than having a freezy afterwards. Um, So I do, yeah, I do some stuff like that. I mean, um, I, I, I'll try to limit, like my boyfriend will have a cookie before bed and I'll be like, you know, I don't want to eat like yeah. before bed. Cause I'm just going to wake up in the night if I do this or, or whatever, but I'll enjoy some things like when I feel like I can, I guess, but I, I, I feel like I'm not compulsed to do it. It's not like, Oh my God, I need this cookie. Cause he's having this cookie. It's like when I feel like I want it, then okay. Yeah, sure. I'll have it. <laughs> what kind of shaped that mentality early on for you? Cause again, like it's all, it obviously comes from being fed well, you know, growing up, but at the same time you were in inspired to be the athlete you are today what were some of those inspirations that you saw like outside of your family like did you have specific idols growing up that kind of formed that mentality for you 
Yeah, when I was a kid, I like grew up with posters all over my wall, different athletes and quotes. Um, and so I think I had a Lance Armstrong quote like right above my bed mm-hmm. until he like got caught for steroid or for, for everything. And I yeah. ripped it off the wall. I was so mad. I was like defending him until the end. And then when I figured out, I was like, no, and <laughs> took it off the wall. Um, but I had like Muhammad Ali quotes for sure. It's a better he, one, I actually yeah. have three canvases like pretty much right in front of me right now of Muhammad Ali. Um, so he's a big inspiration. He's actually like my grandma's crush. She's obsessed with him. Um, so yeah, big, big Muhammad Ali fan and just any athlete. If I'd see like a quote of an athlete in a magazine where there's a snowboarder um, or an athlete from a different sport, I would like put it up on my wall. So tons of different athletes. And my mom would read me uh, a big book that she read me growing up was a Tiger Woods, um, kind of like his, his story from his dad. Um, that was a big one that, that we went into. Wow. And those are good role models to have, obviously, minus Armstrong, of course. That must have been <laughs> yeah. devastating in the moment. I, yeah, I know. I, I mean, like, I didn't watch that much cycling, but just to, I just really respected, like, his comeback from cancer. Yeah. And um, I read his book, and I thought it was really inspirational and um, just how, like, how dominant he was in his sport. Um, and so then, yeah, obviously, as as it came out that he was lying the whole time, I was like, no. And mm. I'm, I mean, when I was a snowboarder, I was drug tested all the time. And CrossFit, I still haven't been drug tested. But even, you know, it's been two years I haven't competed, and I'm always like, no, I cannot take any not safe for sport supplement because you never know. Someday when I get, you know, come back and my shoulder is better, then they're gonna test me, and I'm gonna make sure like I haven't taken anything by accident or whatever. So like I'm really like crazy about that like i doping in sports really bothers me and so yeah just seeing that was like a heartbreak moment yeah alex rodriguez was my favorite baseball player growing up and that guy lied his ass off so after two or three times barry bonds too yeah oh he was my favorite still the home run king oh yeah he was my favorite and then yeah same thing i was like no then as i learned like so many baseball players it's like a cheating game it's crazy there's so many so many that you don't know of too you have no idea who cheated and who didn't these days like you can't really trust anybody which sucks but like to go back to that you know you've been inspired by some of these big names that you mentioned you know wanting to do what you wanted to do fighting for your dream and then your ultimate goal didn't really pan out like what was that moment like again in the moment of how you were feeling and how you were able to grow from that moment and develop the certain skills that you have today to create these specific brands with specific audiences and specific messages that you want to deliver to people yeah so uh, yeah i mean 2014 olympics was always going to be a little bit of a long shot for me being that at that time i was like 20 um Basically, they were like, okay, 2018 is your full trajectory. But 2014, I had a chance. Like, I still have the contract, Canadian Olympic team contract I signed as anybody who had a, you know, was um, eligible or had a a good shot at making it. We all had a sign because, um, like you see for even these Olympics, like, the teams are announced super late. So to get, like, a visa to go to Russia and everything, they want to make sure anyone who who could qualify basically was prepared to to go to Sochi. Um, And so as much as I was like, okay, I know. Know this could be kind of a long shot i've had a ton of injuries i missed a lot of the qualifiers that was a big thing i missed a lot of the olympic qualifiers so basically i really had to like win the the ones that i went to yeah which again it would be against everyone who was in who ended up going to the olympics and winning the olympics same people so i'd have to like be the best in the world to qualify a spot at the olympics so it was uh, a, kind of a long shot in, in the end but i still had to have the mentality like i could go which i knew could set me up for 
when it when I don't go, you know, kind of like that low. So that that definitely happened. I mean, I actually hurt my um, my shoulder and ended up watching the Olympics with my arm in a sling. And one of my best friends, uh, she ended up making it. So it was bittersweet because yeah. I really enjoyed watching her and um, seeing her live out that dream. Kind of since we've all been training together, it was kind of like. It still feels like a team effort. Like we all play a part in training together and doing all these things. So that was still cool. But I, I kind of, in the moment, didn't let myself process. I just was like, okay, 2018 Olympics, like, let's go. Um, but then it started kind of hitting me. And throughout the next season, I was like, I don't think I can go through four more years of this. I've had countless concussions. I've broken my ribs. I've broken my tailbone. I've done all these things. I saw people close to me get life-threatening injuries that I thought I can't do this to my family um I started kind of like waking up and being like I just want to be home I want to be doing these other things I had no idea where those like thoughts or feelings came from obviously ended up figuring out kind of some of those things that I was going through from a mental health standpoint um, but at the time it, it just kind of flipped and so I think it was a little bit of not dealing with that in the moment and you know, processing it over the next year kind of thing and, and realizing, man, I wish I, I got that shot then because then the, the things that I went through, just I really, for my own health, had to kind of step away and not make that that run to the 2018 Olympics. Man, so how long before, you know, you developed those specific skills when it came to focusing on not just mental health, but at the same time developing those specific things that, actually helped you grow past that point and think like okay like this didn't pan out but there's so many different things that i could be doing with my life as opposed to just this one dream that i had yeah well i mean when i was going through the decision to leave the sport that's my mind immediately went like positive like i've been through so many injuries so i always try to find that positive um so i was like okay well i can do this i can transfer to this university i can um you know i'm just i've already started my business i can finally grow it i can get more clients i can um you know now i've started crossfit and i'm pretty good at it i can try to compete in that um so like all of a sudden i found these solutions but when the day came that i actually stepped away like i was still not prepared yeah. for that moment um, it still brought on all these feelings. And then I fell into a depression where all those plans I had and those thoughts, it just didn't matter. It was like, they didn't exist. And I was like, well, what am I going to do? And I had this plan, but it was like, you can't, I couldn't focus on it in the moment. I, I didn't see that bright light anymore. So, um, yeah, I had to just take, you know, a, a couple of years to really figure that out and, um, still trucked away at those things. Like I still was training a ton in the gym. Um, I was still growing my business and all these things. Um, until I got to the point where I like believed in those things again wow. and saw that, okay, I can, I can keep trucking away at these things. And I'm in a good mental health standpoint to truck away at these things and put my energy into them. So yeah, it just took a while. It's still such a growth process. Even over this past two years of shoulder injury, I've really come to terms with why did I even dive straight into CrossFit after snowboarding? In a sense, I dealt with a ton of the mental health stuff that I went through, but CrossFit still was a little bit of a crutch to be able to just say, okay, I went from high level of this sport to high level of this sport. And as much as it helped me, I think at a time, it also allowed me to, a lot of my old snowboard friends, I think they thought that, okay, Nat's stopping snowboarding because she has a potential to go pro at CrossFit and be really good at this, um, which obviously wasn't the reasoning behind my, my switch. Mm -hmm. um, and so in a way I've been able in the last two years, even process that. And I'm sure 10 years from now, there'll be still things that you go through and you process and you build. But I think in a sense, uh, CrossFit was helpful with building the growth mindset back. 
because when I was snowboarding, I lost it a little bit. There was times where I beat myself up. I didn't land a certain trick on that day or whatever it was, which you can't control. You can just control your effort. And so with CrossFit, I had to make that mistake a few more times. And then it really honed into me that all I can control is my effort day to day. And do I make the right decisions that are going to lead me to success? And in 2018, I had one of my best seasons. And that came from a year of just focusing so solely on the process every single day it was like it's not like do i did i hit this weight did i uh hit this time in my workout like i can't control that but what i had was a checklist of like did i do my stretching today did i get my eight hours of sleep did i um try to eat my best and make sure i ate enough did i show up to my training and do all my training in the right mindset um those kind of things and as i that built uh, the year later i was a totally different athlete and so i try to take that mindset to anything now it's just focus on that process micro focus and macro change yeah i mean you have a goal in mind but you're not going to get there just by visualizing it right you got to take it one day at a time be present in the moment of what you're doing you got to get to z like you're at a you got to get to z like you got to get through b c d like one day at a time you know and ultimately that'll culminate into what you're trying to accomplish so when did like the business side of it kick in for you to try and spread that message yeah. So, I mean, I've always kind of been into social media and marketing. That was yeah. my, my first business a year before I stopped snowboarding. So I started doing social media for actually one of my sponsors. Um, and then that kind of grew as I stopped snowboarding and obviously had to do something to pay the bills and a day job and, and grow. I've always kind of been entrepreneurial. My uh, my dad's an entrepreneur, so it's kind of been in our, in our blood and always just been having different businesses since I was a kid. So yeah, chucking away at that and then realizing, um, you know, when I was snowboarding, I had to really hustle to get sponsorships and learn how to use social media to build my brand and do things like that. So my business kind of does that teaching to other people. So to other athletes and brands of how they can do that and how they can use social media to accomplish their goals. And then I like to also walk the talk, but there's still a lot of messages that are really important for me um, to put out there. I really enjoy con- the process of content creating in no means am i like a really professional videographer or anything but you don't have to be to have success on tiktok or instagram or youtube um so i i just try to create the content that i want to see in the world and um and i'm really enjoying the process of doing that and partnering with awesome brands in the process of that as well as as i'm achieving uh, or going for my crossfit goals um, and then helping others do the same thing. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome to see you spreading a message that is so important to understand these days. And like, there's a few tweets that you've sent out over the past few months. And I think, Hank, we have those here about, you know, just basically worrying about what's going on in your life. Like, not everybody, here's one, like, you can't control the outcome, but you can control your effort and your reactions. I think that's a very important message right there. I don't know when you sent that one out, but basically saying, that whatever's going on in, le- in your life, like the big things are some things that the guy upstairs controls. However, you can control how you react to it and how you push forward with those, you know, things you got to adapt to. Right. Yeah. No, 100%. Like there's there's so many, like there's billions of people on this earth. And uh, for example, if you're in business, you might be in competition with a ton of other people or you're in sport, you're competing against a lot of other people. You can't worry about what their training is. When I show up to showed up to a snowboard competition, I, I could be beside, you know, the, the girl who went on to win the Olympics, for example, and I could know she has better tricks than I can, than I can do, but I can't worry about that. I'm not going to learn a new trick on that day. All I can focus on is like my effort. Am I going to give my hundred percent? Um, if I land my run and something happens and she falls, like 
then I'm going to be the winner that day. So I can't, I can't control what the result is going to be, especially snowboarding is a judge sport. So that really taught me a lot about that. Um, but if I can just control my effort, then you're going to be proud every single day that you put forth the right things to, to get to where you want to be and let the chips fall as they may. Yeah, I mean, control what you can control, let the rest happen. And also, don't worry about what anybody else thinks. I think that was another tweet you sent out basically saying everyone is, here it is, everyone is busy worrying about themselves and they're not just judging you as much as you think because everybody's got their own stuff going on in their own lives, you know? But I feel like sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes people have it in their head like, okay, what are people going to think about this? Not necessarily that you care, but that people are like weighing you down in a sense when that's not the case at all. Everybody's got their own stuff going on. 100%. When I was snowboarding, one one thing that really held me back for a while was I wanted, I needed to work on my switch riding. So for like skiers, I'd be like riding backwards. But for me, it'd be riding with my left foot forward instead of my right. And how does anyone on the chairlift know that that's me riding switch? They don't yeah. really know, right? And so I always worried that people would judge me and be like, why is this girl with all these sponsor stickers all over and, yeah. you know, like not riding so well? Um, and then I thought, these people that I'll never see again in my whole life, I care what they think and let, I'm going to let their opinion hold me back or maybe not even their opinion. They're, they're just talking with their friends on the chair. Like, why do I think that they're paying attention to what I'm doing? But I'm going to let that thought hold me back from my goals in, in this sport. So then I it was just like, no, I need to like practice this. This is important to me. I don't have to go out of my way to like tell people, oh, I'm riding switch. Uh, that's why I don't look so good or whatever yeah. it is. And yeah, it's, it's hard to overcome, especially I think the younger that you are, especially like those teen years and early 20s, because um, it's ingrained in our brains to want to fit in and find our people and, and that kind of thing. But you start to realize, especially as you, you mature and grow older, that like, we're all so worried about our own thing. Like, probably that person is worrying if you're judging them for something. So, like, who cares? Don't let that hold you back. I mean, it's such an important message to spread, I think, and a very easy one, too, that really will open someone's eyes and be like, hey, you're kind of right. Like, everybody's got their own stuff going on, which is awesome to see. And it's been awesome to see you kind of find your niche in that sense of building your brands and these businesses and these podcasts, you know, spreading messages, not just your own, but other people's as well that you invite on. I know you got to go pretty soon. I said like a half hour. I think we're well beyond that point uh, happens. I'm very curious about what, what you've been able to do with your life. But I guess the last thing I want to leave you with is basically what, what do you got going on, you know, moving forward? What's the bigger message that you want to spread across, not only with your brands, but as an athlete as well? Yeah, I mean... I, I think, you know, still focusing on just sharing my, my experiences and the things I go through. And so some days that's mental health. Some days it's the things that I've gone through as a female athlete and the comments I get and things like that. Um, other days it's about, you know, mindful motivation where, you know, I find a lot of people, they start out in sport and they want to prove something to someone else, but really it's about doing it for yourself. So I try to kind of put a twist on motivational videos in a sense. Um, I, I'm working right now on a day of training series, especially with Olympics coming up. Um, I'm, I've been trying out like different athletes training. Yeah. So I just put up a video of BMX training. Um, I, next week I'll put out a video where I actually linked up with a team Canada skateboarder, um, and did like her day of training at the skate park and then like her gym training. Um, so that was pretty fun. So just trying to do different things and, you know, use sport, basically sport and fitness as a way to just bring positivity and, and positive impact and um, let people know that they're enough, no matter what they look like or who they are or whatever that is. Yep. Um, and that, you know, going after your goals doesn't have to come from a place of like, I'm not enough now. This will make me enough. It comes from a place of like, 
you are enough. So like, let's pursue your potential now. Well, I mean, it's again, a great message to spread. Keep on doing it. Thanks for being gracious enough to come on the podcast today. This was episode. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.